I rarely get to do this, so I'm going to do it. It has a D on it. I think it's for me since Daryl's not here. (laughs) Our text this morning is found in Psalm 77, a psalm of Asaph to the chief musician. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to, to turn there if you would. And as you turn there, allow me to ask you, how many of you have ever taken a personality inventory to help you understand who you are? Quite a few. Maybe as part of a hiring process or part of an academic class, there's, there's at least eight different ones of those uh, inventories that employers use. I've completed the disk inventory as part of a job requirement for being a sales rep, and I've done the Briars MIGs as a class assignment. The DISC inventory was used to help us be aware of our own issues, I guess you could say, and to, to help us understand our clients. The hope was that we would be able to flex to, from whatever we were to what our clients were so that they would feel more comfortable when we sat down and, and chatted. The one, the person who ranks high in the D category wants just the facts, nothing but the facts, and what's it do for me? The person who is a high I likes to take time and just talk about the pictures that are on the shelf and talk about the trophies and just enjoy being with people. I remember finding it particularly challenging to know precisely what was being asked and how to best answer some of the Briars Miggs questions. I don't remember anything about the questions on the disc. I believe I was in the C quadrant, and I may have been an ISTJ on the Briars Miggs. You can see those details really stuck with me, can't you? (laughs) What we think, how we use words, the details we notice, the habits we have help place us into the categories in these inventories. Those who tend to use the word actually are typically found in a certain sector. As well as those who have habits unusual habits like carrying different colored pens with them at all time. Like black, blue, and red. I had a green one and I lost it. (laughs) Here are four questions from one inventory. Anderson Consulting Worldwide uses these questions when evaluating management professionals. How do you put a giraffe in a refrigerator. You open the door, put in the giraffe, and close the door. This question tests whether you tend to do simple things in an overly complicated way. Question two, how do you put an elephant in a refrigerator? If you said, open the door, put in the elephant, and close the door, you're wrong. 
You open the door, take out the giraffe, put in the (laughs) elephant, and close the door. This tests your ability to think through the repercussions of your actions. Question three. The Lion King is hosting an animal conference. All the animals attend except one. Which one doesn't attend? The elephant. He's still in the refrigerator. (laughs) This tests your memory. If you didn't get any of the three answers correctly, you still have one more chance to show, show show your abilities. There's a river that you must cross. It is infested with crocodiles. How do you get across it? You swim across it. All the crocodiles are at the animal conference. This tests if you learn quickly from from your mistakes. The congregation is divided right now. Some are tracking with me, and others are back at the beginning when I mentioned the Briars Migs inventory. <clears throat> Your memory won't let it go. You've missed everything since then. The whole time you've been thinking about wanting to let me know it's the Myers Briggs. <laughs> Myers Briggs, not Briars Migs. <clears throat> I may already have a text about it from someone. (laughs) And it's probably Pastor Darrell watching from Africa. (laughs) The distraction of your memory kept you locked in that place. Some totally dismissed it. Ah, That's Pastor Dwight. Just got his words twisted again. That's just him. I know what he meant. Bless his heart. (laughs) And others didn't know whether Myers-Briggs, Briars-Migs, or who even Migs and Briars were. Our memory is a prized possession. We develop all sorts of tactics to help us remember. Acrostics and acronyms, musics, like singing the Bible, books of the Bible to a tune, or little rhymes, I before E, except after C, except in cases of neighbor and way, and a whole bunch of other cases. <laughs> Word or character associations. Two guys walk into a room, they're brothers, and for years you can't remember what their names are, or which one is which. One's Rodney, and one's Tom. Rodney is short and stout, Tom tall and lean. So, from now on, it's round Rodney and tall Tom. That's how I got them straight. Word and characteristic association. And we write things down, we use flashcards. The mind that remembers all sorts of knowledge gets the top ACT score, paves the way to the Ivy League school, and then on to CEO of the Fortune 500 company, making millions and living the good life. The mind that remembers the attempted drowning by mom before age five and the repeated beatings by grandpa to age 14 that led him to live on the street and 
do drugs and went to jail time and multiple rehabs as he tried to medicate himself to forget the pain. The mind that captures everything sets one on the trajectory of achievement and success. And that same mind is the one that incarcerates, holds back, and immobilizes. The mind that forgets, doesn't get the grades, and leads to drastic change in life plans is the forgetful mind that frees from hurts, the hurts and the baggage of the past that allows one to flourish and grow. Remembering can be a curse, and forgetting can be a blessing. What's one thing, one person, one situation, one place, if you could forget it right now, your life would be so much better? In our text today, Asaph is having a rough time. He is in a world of hurt. He can see what's going on around him, and he can see what's not going on around him. His memory won't let him rest. He remembers about what God did in the past, and the God he sees at work right now is not that same God, and it's painful. To capture the moment of what he's going through, he does what all of us have done when we're having a hard day. He writes a song and gives it to Mark Shell and says, Here, can we sing this next Sunday? <laughs> he writes a psalm for the chief musician. We don't know for certain why he is calling out to God for help. It may have been the fall of Jerusalem. It could have been Solomon's kingdom breaking up into Judah and Israel. Or it could have been the fall of the northern kingdom. It could have even been something personal. Most scholars think it's some sort of national crisis. But maybe the ambiguity of his circumstances is a good thing for us. I've never had a Jerusalem or a northern kingdom to fall. But at times it sure felt like it. As life lays there broken into a million pieces, and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put it back together again. I've found my place where he is, and I haven't been alone in that place because I know when I've been there, I've looked around, and there have been friends and family standing there looking at the ruins of their fallen kingdoms as well. In confusion, disappointment, hurt, whatever he's facing, Asaph is in this for the long haul. His hands are stretched out, tears are flowing, perspiration is dripping off of him, and he cries out, Oh God, help me. You've got to help me. And he stayed there, calling out, listening. And what came back to him was deafening silence. It was as if nobody was listening. So he calls out, God, if you're there, if you won't act, will you at least listen to me? Nothing. Asaph didn't move. He waited, ready to receive from the Lord whatever he would give him as an answer. Anything. Just a, hey, I heard you. 
It would have been fine. But nothing came. Crickets from the God who had thundered in the past. His anxiety grew. No comfort came. He says, I thought about you and remembered what you did in the past. And it's not helping one bit. Whatever God you were then is not the God I'm seeing now. That God would have acted already. The more, th- more he thought about it, the worse it became. He says, I thought even more deeply about all you have done, and I just fainted. I went weak. It's one thing if you don't give me the help I'm asking for, but not to respond? That's like rubbing salt in the wound. And this memory of you and how you have worked in the past, it's driving me mad. It would be better to have known that you didn't even work at all. Verse 4, he continues, he says, And now, if that wasn't bad enough, you took your two fingers and you've ripped my eyelids open. You've pulled my eyelids back. I am wide-eyed with terror. Trouble is is here and you are not. My mind is racing. I can't sleep. I cry out to you again, but the pain welling up inside of me is so great that I can't even speak. The only thing I can do is to remember the good old days. A A long time ago, when I used to sing songs in the night, but now I lie here, lay here, writhing, groaning, sweating, crying in speechless fear, and in eternal silence. I think about the familiar hymns that once brought me comfort. I remember them line for line, but I can't bring myself to sing them. I used to hum along and sing the praise songs that played on K-Love while I drove to work and worked around the house. I can't even bring myself to mouth the words or to hum the tune. And as he remembers those songs and the days long ago, something begins to wake up inside of him. The questions start to rise up. We don't know the spirit in which he asks these questions. For the calm, cool, calculated, and collected of us. Will the Lord reject forever? I remember him him saying just the opposite. Will he never show his favor again? Ah, yes, he said he would. Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Ah, love, love is who he is. Have his promises failed for all time? Ah, that's not what the ancients have told us. Has God forgotten to be merciful? Surely he wouldn't. Has he in anger withheld his compassion? It would take more than this to make him do that. He is slow to anger. For those who are more emotive and expressive, will the Lord reject forever? What? Are you going to walk out on me now? Will he never show his favor again? Have I been so bad that you're done with me? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? So much for the love thing. 
Has his promise failed for all time? I guess everything I ever knew about him is wrong. Has God forgotten to be merciful? He has no idea that such a thing as mercy exists anymore. Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Why are you treating me like this? It wasn't me who made you mad. However he asked those questions, the wanderings of his silent spirit began to rein in his runaway thoughts. The memories of how God worked in the past and seeing that he wasn't working now, working now added to Asaph's worry and his stress and doubt. But those same memories came to be what anchored him. Verse 10 is the turning point for Asaph. In the, in the NIV it says, To this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out His hand. I will remember your deeds. I will remember your miracles of long ago. It appears your powerful, has changed, powerful hand has changed for the time being. So I will turn my thoughts to who you have been, what you have done, and what you have said. It's time for me to quit focusing on what I want you to do now and begin focusing on what you have done. There's a shift in the language of the psalm right here from I to you. He moves from dwelling on his distress to considering who God is and what God has done in the past. You are holy. Who is the greatest God? You are. You perform miracles. That's what you do. You show your power to all the nations. The power of your, your powerful arm has redeemed your people. When, even when the patriarch Joseph, the one, or the patriarch of the family Jacob wasn't around anymore. And when Joseph lay cold in the grave and you'd used him to help him, but he couldn't help him anymore, you delivered the goods. You delivered every one of their descendants. When you acted, all nature reacted. Look at what he says there. In so many words, nobody saw you, but the waters knew you were there. On the surface they rolled, they twisted and turned while they consumed everything in their path. The deepest waters boiled like a cauldron. In the heavens the clouds burst forth with rain. Lightning lit up the world and thunder shook the earth to its core. No one saw you. But you carved a path through the sea. You opened it up and you closed it. You didn't leave so much as a footprint, but everyone knew you were there. It's all coming back to Asaph now. Not just the memory of what had happened, but the memory of the one who made it happen. The last verse of this psalm is noticeably different from the rest of the psalm. It's almost like it's a knockout punch that no one knew was coming. It's so different. Your enemies didn't know what hit them. You gave them a good thrashing. You hit them with wind, waves, lightning, and who knows what else. You buried them and didn't leave evidence that it was you. And you led your flock, led your people, like a flock... By the hand of Moses and Aaron. You led your people like a flock. Calm. 
unscathed, unflustered, like leading sheep, he was working with his people. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. In the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not afraid. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You invite me to sit down to eat right in front of my enemies. I'm with you forever. You gently, calmly led your people like a flock by the hands of your servants. You were unseen. You didn't leave a footprint, but you led them like a flock of sheep. And your response may be, well, good for the children of Israel, but what about Asaph and what about me? That's a fair question. You say, my kingdom has fallen. My spouse is gone. The life I thought we had together is shot. My children are rejecting God. I tried so hard to teach them what was right. My career has hit a dead end. It's over. What am I? Who am I? My finances are in shambles. I should be retiring right now, but I can't. My health is slipping away. I spend more time at the doctor's office than I do at home. Kingdom after kingdom have fallen. And I'm left with sleepless nights filled with wide-eyed terror, crying out to God, who's a God who doesn't seem to be listening. My voice goes silent, my hands go numb, my body goes limp, and I'm waiting for him to say something. The psalm doesn't tell us what Asaph got. And it doesn't tell him that he got what he wanted from God. But he got what he needed. His faith in God that had been wrecked has been reestablished. It never says that everything ended up okay. But Asaph ended up where he needed to be, a place of contentment, filled with praise as he recounted God, the God who had acted in the past. It doesn't say his future was everything he wanted it to be, but he went into it with a confidence that the God who led the Israelites was leading him, leading him just like he led them. Friends, sometimes this is a hard place to be. We may desire for God to answer our beck and call, to show up when and where and how we dictate, but that's not always how He works. In those times, it seems when it seems God is missing in action, when the heavens go silent and we're lost in despair, it's at that point our hope is found when we begin to forget about ourselves and begin to remember God. Remember who He is and what He has done. He doesn't reject forever. He will show His favor again. His love, and love isn't gone forever. His promises never fail. He is merciful, and He is filled with compassion. He can't deny who He is. His work in the past gives us hope for the future. In His perfect time, He will accomplish His good will. But until then, we must praise Him for what He has done and allow Him to lead us and care for us 
as one of his precious sheep. Heavenly Father, we don't know your ways. Our timing is rarely ever in sync with yours. The future for us is unknown. But what we do know is that we will praise you for your mighty works in the past. We will trust the future into your good and gracious hands. And we will allow you to lead us as your dearly loved sheep. Amen.